Welcome to episode 23 of Game Dev with a Shot of Jameson. My name is Jameson Doral, and I'm a game designer with 20 years of experience that likes to help people learn more about the video games industry. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral, we have Game Dev Wednesday. That's where I have on one of my friends from the industry to talk about their career, how they got started, and lessons they learned along the way, all while answering viewer questions in the live stream. There's a link in the show notes if you'd like to join us next time and get your own questions answered. Today we continue our game design deep dive series, where we'll pick a topic from game design and break it down further. I have Will Fitzgerald joining me to finish our top games of 2020 discussion, and then we discuss topics that we'd like to consider for future episodes. So let's get to it. Man, it's been like two months since we've had the first part of this conversation too, right? It has, yeah. <laughs> so we got, a, we got a little ways to go, but or it's been a little, a little ways since we did that. But I did look up where we left off last time. And uh, hey, Tiffany, welcome back. Appreciate that. And just so everybody knows, I turned off the audio on the alerts while we're doing this because on the podcast, it was getting real loud for people. <laughs> so still got the, the, the visuals, but no... Audio. So we did best action game is where we left off last time. And oh, welcome back. Will. 15 months, man. Appreciate you. So we are now and we're, we're actually about halfway through based on what, uh, what, 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 at least where the cursor is on, on the, on the webpage. And this is one that I'm sad to say I have not experienced much of these games, especially in this area, which is innovation in accessibility which is super important, right? And something that I care a lot about, um, especially being colorblind. So you know, this is something that, that I'm, I'm curious how many of these you have, you have uh, tried out. Uh, but the, the nominees were Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Grounded, Hyperdot, which I've never heard of, uh, Last of Us Part Two, and Watch Dogs Legion. How many of those did you get to this year or last year? Zero. Yeah, really? <clears throat> yeah. All right, so I, I've put about two hours into Legion. I've seen a bit of Grounded. Um, now, let me, I want to read the, the headline, or like kind of the description of this. This is recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. So, like... That, that, that could mean a lot of things, right? But generally it means things like, you know, colorblind modes and, you know, things that help people with handicaps to play better, those kind of things. Last of Us Part 2 was the winner in this category from the Game Awards. And I, I don't know why. Have you heard anything about what they did for this game that, that makes it so accessible? Yeah, you know, it was like, what, I think it came out in April or May. So it's been a while now, so I'm trying to remember. But I do recall the internet buzzing about all of the um, just they went above and beyond on this subject of accessibility. And like I said, unfortunately I just haven't played it yet to know the intelligent answer beyond that. But I remember the internet going crazy over it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. Uh, I, I don't think I'd heard of any of these now. I mean, with Watch Dogs Legion, Watch Dogs Legion, uh, they always do a really good job of like, you know, colorblind modes and making sure that, you know, icons and things are, can be kind of adjusted for visibility and stuff like that. I wonder if any of these games did anything like extraordinary, it's sort of like, like attention to it is great and something our industry has lacked for a long time. Um, and, and it's starting to get better luckily, but I wonder like, did anybody do anything superb, you know, specifically? 
Uh, yep. <laughs> see a bunch of the articles in Last of Us 2 and the, and the Ubi ones on what they added. Oh, there's a bunch of articles. All right, so we'll have to check that stuff out. I hate that we started with this one because I was like, this is one I don't know anything about. Did <laughs> right. you play HyperDot? I don't even know what that is. No, <clears throat> I did not. All right. All right, we're going to punt. I'll have a better showing on these next ones. That's yeah. right. Now, this one, this one is really intriguing to me. And this one is best VR AR. Right. And uh, the nominees were Dreams, Half-Life Alex, Iron Man VR, Star Wars Squadrons, and The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. And I've, I've ex- played four of those. Okay, nice. I, I've experienced a few of them. Uh, I've heard great. Th- I have Alex. Have not played it yet. Um, what? Uh, which of these stood out to you this year? All right. So, <clears throat> I mean, all of them. All four that I played. So I played everything but Dreams, and I've heard plenty of great things about Dreams too. But um, yeah, all of them certainly had strengths. I've got to say, Squad. So. I love Ace Combat and other kind of arcade shooter games, whether mm-hmm. you're in gravity or in space. And so Star Wars Squadrons, uh, as soon as we saw it internally, we all freaked out. I'm not even a big Star Wars guy, but I knew that they were going to have something special there, and sure enough, they did. So I've got, got a lot of time on that on Steam and uh, enjoy that a lot. But The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners is like the best VR experience of my life. Really? Yeah, it is like objectively the best VR experience I've ever had. Huh. Now, I, I like that IP, so, you know, bias and all that, but um, gameplay feels better than any other VR. Ex- I mean, so it's difficult to compare a VR experience that's in a vehicle, because right. obviously that lends itself really well to vehicle simulations. Sure does. Um, but if I completely remove that part, um, in terms of just gameplay not in a vehicle, yeah, Saints and Sinners, um I, I wonder how long they worked on it. I wish there was like a retrospective of all their efforts that I could learn from because whatever they did, the process they went through and the design and all that stuff, it's, it is the best. Yeah. So what, so now is saints and centers, uh, was it a first person or third person? Uh, generally all VR games stick with first person. Right. Uh, yeah. Generally, I know. Generally. Generally. So, yeah. yeah. It's just, they, every time I've seen it, like pictures for it, they show like a third person character. So that's why I was, I was curious and I haven't tried that one yet. We actually have this. Um, I got it for Irish. Uh, once we can get his quest to hooked up uh, to the PC this summer, uh, we'll get to try that out as well. Um, I've played a lot of dreams, but not in VR. And as a matter of fact, I didn't know it was VR or there was anything specific about it. Uh, but you said you haven't played dreams yet, right? Correct. And Alex, like, I, I'm really looking forward to trying that just because, I mean, I love Half-Life. I think Half-Life experiences are generally super unique and well done, and I've only heard great things. And and Alex is what ended up winning uh, the best VR AR experience at the Game Awards. Um, so I'm really curious about that to try that out soon, too. One of these yeah. days, I'll break down and actually put my Vive up. Like I still have not since I moved, I have not set it up. So I need to do that. You are a Vive man. I I forgot that. Well, that was the first one I bought, right? And so okay. it's still the one I have now. I got Irish a Oculus Quest two for uh, Christmas. So now we got that around as well. So you can try it out there. That is my favorite on the market right now. It's, not to say it's the most powerful. There's other benefits to others, but it is the most convenient to yeah. enjoyable ratios yeah and that that was the reason i went with that one too because i wanted something standalone right like we're finally at the point where something standalone can be well done right and yeah the tetherless and, approach is huge for vr right 
And so that, that was a big win there. And, you know, also it's super easy. It's, it's got its own carrying case. He can take it back and forth, you know, with him uh, when he, when he goes back home and comes here. So it worked out pretty well. Right. All right. Now best community support. And this, this is, this one's interesting to me. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, subjectivity here, right? Like this is not, not quite about the game itself. Uh, it's a bit about, you know, responsiveness, uh, social media updates and activity, that kind of stuff. And uh, the nominees were uh, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, uh, Fall Guys, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, and Valorant. Mm. Now, you, I mean, from a community, like, for, I guess when thinking about this, the thing I like to see is a lot of updates from the developers right and from from the community uh from the community managers and response specifically to issues things like that are always good um do you did you see any of these games stand out in that area over the last year so five of those six i played many many hours of last year um yeah this is a weird one because i had fantastic experiences in apex destiny fall guys fortnite and no man's sky um I mean, I, I guess speaking just my, you know, my own subjectivity here, the community managers at Epic um, are really good at what they do in particular. So I've, I've noticed their presence around more and more relative to the other games, but I may not have paid attention to them all equally. Gotcha. Yeah, I, that's, I would agree. Like, I think, I think most of these I've seen. Now, there's a difference between community response and support about something and then action. Right. Like sure. we're not really talking about the actional part of this uh, specifically, but oh no, actually it does say game updates and patches. So I guess action is a big part of it. And uh, like th seeing a game evolve the way that no man's sky has over the last several years is, is mind blowing to me. Like a game, especially like the, it is now the game it should have been when it launched. And it took a lot of, a lot of changes over the last, what, like five, six years now that game has been out. Feels so, like five years, yeah. yeah. So the fact that they're that they're nominated now and the game has turned into something that's you know as elaborate as we all hoped it would be originally, I think says a lot for their continued support of that game as well. You know, I'm one of the guys that liked it at launch. I don't know. Oh yeah, I thought it was a good game, and but by all means, I welcome all the free updates that's happened through the years <laughs> and the new pet stuff that just got announced looks really cool. So. Yeah, every every summer they tend to drop a really powerful um, expansion to the game, and those are all free. That's right. Really, I don't think they've ever charged for any microtransactions of DLC or otherwise. Interesting. Oh, there's a good point uh, in the chat from Epic Toolshed, EP Toolshed. He said uh, that hands down, Epic's Fortnite with the live concerts and community events was huge, and that that is right. true. Like that's I didn't even think about that angle. Like that's a really big purely community event right like just something to to kind of bring you know add added value and get people in there and doing something different that's that's really interesting but fall guys is who they picked as the winner for this uh which is interesting to me i mean it, they their style of of like community management and like how kind of how they talk i think was was very unique and kind of very modern uh i, sure. I like i like the way they kind of you know, interact with their community. They have a very windy social media style. If you've seen, seen the way their social media works now. And, uh, I like, I, I like that vibe. I like that vibe for sure. I agree for sure. All right. Now, 
best mobile game. This is something you don't know much about. Mm. So, <laughs> mm. uh, so here's our nominees. Our nominees are Among Us, Call of Duty Mobile, Genshin Impact, Legends of Runeterra, and Pokemon Cafe Mix. The only one of these so, that I did not play was Pokemon Cafe Mix. Okay. Actually, same. Same for me. But what's really interesting about this is a lot of these uh, categories are, you know, genre-specific or discipline-specific. This one is deployment-specific, which yeah. is weird. And, um, I mean, I, I get it trying to say the best game playable on a mobile device. Right. But that, there's a lot of baggage to that phrase because then we're, you know, you're not just thinking about the game design anymore or any other particular discipline you're thinking about like i mean it is still game design I'm just thinking about the input like how long do play sessions happen how long am i supposed to come back to these mobile yep. games all of the you know behavioral psychology that goes into um the product management and economic design and systems design of mobile games so all five of these games are five very different genres yeah <laughs> um so I, I like i wouldn't know how to vote here but um yeah i mean among us fantastic i've only played it on steam though and i prefer that yeah i don't really want to do that on mobile um call of duty mobile when it came out i got into it it's i mean it's really well done it, i had to get my head around what does an fps game look like on mobile that's not fortnite because that was my only like perspective at the time and i think what they've done is really well and frankly that genre has really blown up in 2020 yeah. uh, fps on mobile yeah. it's an impact uh, i had pre-registered for Waited for it, was excited for it. After playing it for a couple hours, realized I'm not their target demographic, and that's totally okay. Uh, it's got a lot of good design to it. And then, yeah, I'm a sucker for TCGs, so um, any sort of card game is my jam. Legends of Runeterra is not among my favorite subjectively, but it's a very, very good card game. Yeah. You said a, a lot of the same things that I'm thinking. Uh, I went into Genshin Impact expecting it to absorb my life. Uh mm. For two reasons. One, I'm all you know this. I'm always playing some kind of mobile game, right? Where it's my like all day play, you know, doing right. something with it, that kind of thing. I love the character collection aspects. I, I love the look of the game. Um, there's so many things about that that should speak to me. It just didn't. And 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 I thought that also on top of that, like you know, I can always play on the phone. And then whenever I want to be comfortable and play on my bigger screen, that I just same login. Like that's it was set up to be something that would literally take over my life. And it just, I just, I don't know. I, I couldn't get into it. I was talking to clever about this the other day. I tried, I really tried and I just could not get into it. And I don't, I'm not sure why I can quite put my, put a pin on it yet. Um, yeah. the other thing that's interesting about all of these games listed is they all also are playable on another platform and on a bigger platform. So, so what we don't have here is a purely mobile game, right? Like, well, except for potentially uh, Pokemon, but there's Pokemon games on the other consoles, right? Right. Um, so I don't know. This is interesting. I Legends of Runeterra, sh again, is a game that should be super great. I enjoyed it for a while, um, I, but I didn't play it mostly on mobile. I played it mo mo mostly on the PC. And first-person shooters, I cannot do on mobile. I just can't. Like, I try. It's very different. Yeah. yeah, it's very, it's, it just doesn't, my brain and my hand, like I'd hate anything where I have to like uh thumbstick on a screen. You know what I mean? Oh, like okay. if I could get a, you know, if I got a really good controller dock for my phone, that would, that would work better for me, but I just can't do the, the screen movement D pad stuff for some reason. 
Yeah. Well, well, we're too old to be their target demographic anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's all the the youth, you know, the K through 12 gamers that are into mobile shooters. Yeah. Sorry, catching up on the chat here. <laughs> I got talking and started ignoring everybody. So. <laughs> all right. So let let's uh let's take a little pause here. Because I need to take some shots. I've got I've got quite a few here that are that are waiting for me at this point. Sure. Uh, or I've got two left or at this moment. So what did you say you're drinking tonight? A green tea vodka. Is that green tea with vodka or is it green tea flavored vodka? It is green tea with green tea vodka. Oh, oh the double down. Green, on tea, green tea gin is better. I've discovered recently, but you know. Do you infuse that or do you buy it? I buy it. Okay. I mean, you never know. I've got a minimal over here, right? Yeah, I'm not that cool. It's like, did you make that with your bare hands? No, but I right. bought it with my bare hands. <laughs> yep. All right. That's the second shot down. Now we can get back to the discussion. So, wait, did you tell me which of these you would pick? Out of these five mobile games, did you say Runeterra? Or did you say? Uh, I didn't say. Did I say? I don't think I said. I will say. Uh, uh, okay, I would say Call of Duty Mobile. In yeah? the one moment I've thought about it, yeah. Okay, and why, why? Actually, I'm really curious. I did not think, I think that would be I the think choice. They, so, you know, we can get into debates on auto-aiming and other, like, assistance-driven systems for gameplay, but, man, Call of Duty Mobile... When you get a kill, it's like the right balance of I did the proper input and the game knew what I was trying to do and followed through on that and helped me, you know, do what. So, you know, I, I envisioned the kill and then bam, the game helped me make the kill. That's and that, interesting. And it's rare, right? Like, I mean, we've gotten pretty good at that in some AAA games. I, I'd credit Bungie for really, really um, getting that right early on with Halo, the Halo franchise. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I think they do that better than any other shooter I've played on mobile. Yeah, you know, the the time that I had that moment uh, that you're talking about where it felt like the controls were reading my mind was mm. the the Super Mario Sunshine on the... Oh, no, not Sunshine, uh, Galaxy on the Wii. Like, sure. playing with dual... Yeah, playing dual, you know, dual controls for the first time, I, and it just was, like, mind-blowing for me. Like, it, it just mm. always felt like it was doing what I wanted it to do instead of me fighting with controls, which is usually the case. Right. So, <laughs> So they picked Among Us as the winner for this, and Among Us was the hot game, right? So I, I yeah, totally Among get Among Us that. is fantastic. I'm glad they got two awards here. But like I said, it's five different genres. It's, it's a weird one. It is. It really is. All right. I know where you're going with this one, but we got Best Indie Game coming up now. Uh, and the choices are Carrion, which I saw at PAX East early last year and was kind of blown away by that. It was a pretty cool game. Uh, Fall Guys... Hades, Spelunky 2, and Spiritfarer. I've heard great things about all of these, and I've played three of them. Yeah, I have also played three of them. So what um, uh, what, what kind of so stuff? So I can say in the past, I don't know, two weeks, so I finally sat down to play Hades, um, like to really play Hades. And so, I don't know, I'm 30-some hours into it now. I am relatively far for others who have played it that far or further and uh yeah i mean H hades is best in class in so many ways when we get to game of the year i've got other thoughts on with on why it's in game of the year but um right here is where it absolutely should be for sure and it yeah should win 
it's it's modular um i don't want to word this it's it's design philosophy of distributing modular gameplay with handcrafted bits of content and how they synergize those uh is is uh, it's a design every game designer should understand and play and just learn from it's it's fantastic yeah when we last talked about that i believe you called it a master class in game design i think is the word that you yeah used, no so. I, and i i for sure the more time i put into it the more i realize how true that statement is it's it's a really special game design like money and sales and all the just uh standard business stuff aside it is artistic beyond most game designs i've had the pleasure of experiencing the past few years interesting so it's it you is know, a lot of games very... we play is, is a it's a sorry it's a no, mixture between the business goals and and the game designers on the team still trying yes. to make the game engaging right. and fun and retain their users to whatever and yeah hades is uh, it just feels like Supergiant always when they come out with a game it's like they don't care about its business success they're making a work of art every time and all i think all four of their main games have been fantastic in different ways but yeah hades that's that's the dream right like it is the dream we you know we've been doing this long enough that we've seen the agendas of each department right and and ideally i mean and everybody has their own agenda because of they need to right they have certain things they need to have happen right um and it's it's always nice when you when it feels like everybody was on the same page and that business people and marketing and everybody else understood what the product was or at least came to understand what the product was before it was too late, you know? And and that's that's a, a wonderful thing when you get to see it. This game is really high on my list. I have not played it yet. It's probably in the top three that I'm gonna jump into next. Yeah, especially with you praising twin stick uh, controls earlier. Like this is again a best in class on controller input as well. All right, my what part of my debate is where do I play it? Because um, it's it's PC and Switch, right? I do it on PC with a controller. I yeah. mean that that's what I do. So clearly I'm biased, and I tend to be a PC gamer where I can be. It's uh, likely what I mean, I'll do. I'm sure it's fantastic on Switch. A lot of my friends chose the Switch option, but they don't care about achievements because they're Nintendo folks. I do care about achievements. That's how I justify myself. So interesting. I need Steam. All right. I used to care about achievements, and mm-hmm. now that there are so many different achievements on various places, like it's it's hard to care anymore. But you know how it is. <laughs> so, did you play Carrion? Uh, let me look back at the list. No, I have not had the pleasure. Also, heard amazing things. So, like everything on this list, I've heard amazing things about, yeah. in, in kind of different ways. Um, Carrion's gameplay I heard a lot about, whereas like Spiritfarer's just aesthetic and I don't even know how to word it. What they try to convey to the user is, uh, you know, incredibly powerful. So yeah, each of them kind of has their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Spiritfarer is also one that's pretty high on my list. It's on a uh, game pass. So that's one that I've heard a lot of, a lot of good things about. Looking forward to trying that out soon. Yeah. Oh, Miller says it's a good, a great chill game. That's good. Uh, that's another reason to try it out sooner. All right. So the next category is best ongoing. Mm, live services. Yeah. Uh, nothing else. You wouldn't know about this either. Um, <laughs> so the the choices are Apex Legends, uh, Destiny 2, Call of Duty Warzone, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. And I think my argument was was made earlier for No Man's Sky, um, just because of how much that game has evolved. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? 
I think this is the most difficult category to call a winner in, like more even more than game of the year. Um, <clears throat> all five of these games, I I think are best in class at live services. Um, yeah, four of them are shooters. Okay. Yeah, three of them have battle royale. Um, so you know you can start breaking it down like that to really isolate arguments. But um, man, yeah, no, I think they all do live services. Um, about as well as you could. Yeah. I'm I feel like Warzone is a bit new for us to see how well they're going to do it. I mean, they made a ton of money, right? Like in and it's it's going to I'm sure it's going to continue. Um but there's also a lot of complaints about Warzone, especially in the cheating area. So um, Yeah, so yeah. they they've had some security internet stuff, right? Yeah. But man, I I think Warzone's still a fantastic game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is it, they did exactly what they should have done, right? They made Call of Duty into a battle royale, and it's it's done well enough and done in a way that that is bringing even just like traditional Call of Duty players over that normally wouldn't play a battle royale, right? It still feels like Call of Duty, which is nice. Yeah, I think it does both. It does that, and then for people like me that never really want to play Call of Duty, I just yeah. like other shooters more. Warzone is what brought me back. Interesting. Straight up, like Warzone, and I mean that was. Uh, influenced by social benefits as well. Like I got to play with particular friends and stuff. But yeah, yeah uh, Warzone. And Warzone's actually been really on top of uh, reacting to the cheating rumors that have been floating around. So that's good. If people want to shit on it. I would recommend giving it another try soon-ish or now-ish because I know they've done a lot of effort toward that. Nice. That is good to know. But yeah, No Man's Sky was what took the the award here. And... I mean, and I'm happy with that. Yeah, me too. I love that game. Like, I adore that game. Um, it's crazy how I've much I've got more stuff. hours into that than the rest. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know you were playing it that much. Do you have it on it's Steam? It's been off and on through the years. Uh, yeah, Steam okay. is my platform of choice for it. Gotcha. All right. Wait. <laughs> Smart Garlic said you were calling him out. What'd you call him out on? What did I miss? <laughs> well, there was... Uh, Smart Garlic mentioned the cheating, but there were a couple oh, people that cheating. mentioned the cheating. Yeah. I was just talking to Smart Garlic the other day about, hey, man, you want to play Warzone with me? And he was uh, like, no, nah. cheaters. <laughs> got it. <laughs> nice. Well, you just got to get good. Kill the cheaters, man. There you go. It's just to help you elevate your game. There you go. That's, That's right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Games for impact for a thought-provoking game with pro-social meaning or message. Oh my gosh, I have not played any of these, uh, though a couple of them are on my list. Um, the first one is If Found, which I have not heard of. Um, Kentucky Route Zero, which I've heard a lot of good things about. Spiritfarer, which we mentioned before. Tell Me Why, and Through the Darkest of Times. You familiar with any of these? I've only played one, so no, not really at all. I can't speak intelligently to this. Which but one? it reminds me, uh, Spiritfarer. But it okay. reminds me that I, uh, yeah, I've got some catching up to do. There, there are so many games nominated uh, in 2020 in particular that I didn't get to because 2020 was my year of catching up on my backlog. Oh, so nice. I played all the other games from the previous years. See, if you, but now if you do that every year, you're just always going to be a year behind. So <laughs> I'm almost caught up. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, so, uh, Spirit Fair is, like we've, we mentioned that. Um, Tell me why is the game that that took this, and I actually have not even heard of that one. Um, I need to look that up because, I mean, 
I will say I love that studio. Yeah. Don't Not Entertainment is one of my favorite game studios. What What do they work on? Oh man, so I mean, uh, Life is Strange is probably oh, their main okay. IP. Yeah, but my favorite was Vampire. Oh, and okay. Before people react all goofy to that, that's a good game. You should look up Vampire uh, from Don't Nod. Yeah, it's it's very narrative driven and has like simplified Bloodborne combat. It's probably an easy way to explain the gameplay. And uh, yeah, I just it's not even about like ooh vampires. It's more just like you're in London. It's like early 1800s or something. That's not true. Maybe early 1900s. I think there's cars maybe around. But anyway, the the whole aesthetic was just very very unique to have in the third person camera and just they really got a lot right with that game. Interesting. They they only sold I think they sold less than a million copies so they didn't pursue a sequel. They just moved on. Uh uh the title was Tell Me Why is the name of this one. And then Vampire is what he was talking about. Yep. And is that pronounced vampire? I always thought it was vampire when I see it like that. I don't know why. I'm just tomato tomato. Yeah, I don't it know. is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Best performance. So we've got Ashley Johnson as Ellie in The Last of Us Ooh. Part Two. Yeah. Laura Bailey as Abby in Last of Us Part Two. Uh, Dasuke Suji as Jen Sakai in Ghost of Tsushima, which is it's it's my game of the year from last year, but you know. We'll we'll have that discussion. Uh, Logan Cunningham as Hades, and Naji Jeter as Miles Morales. That, those are some good performances. They're all amazing. Yeah, they're truly all amazing. This is another category that's impossible to be objective about. Um, I think I think the Hades voice actor Logan. I think he nails it. Um, but I would also vote for Laura Bailey at the end of the day. I yeah. I love her work in so many things. So generally, if I know she's involved with a game project, I, I want to play it. Okay. Like every, every time she's a part of it, yeah, her her performance elevates any experience I've had with her. Yeah, and, and she did end up getting the win, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, yeah, this is like filled with just really good choices. And, you know, I'll, thinking about this, the actual performance of Jen Sakai I don't know that I feel like that performance is that great as much as I love the game itself overall. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know that his performance was, is a big driving factor in how I feel about the game and it being my favorite this year, last year. Well, that, may, but, that may serve as a compliment to him because um, how to word that he clearly didn't do anything to uh, harm your gameplay that, experience. That so is like he did his true. job really well. That is very and, true. And often, yeah, it, it's, it's tough to appreciate voice actors often unless um, well, I mean, Last of Us, Jesus. So that that's an easy one to appreciate voice acting in. But a lot like an open world game like um, Ghost of Tsushima, yeah, it's more challenging. That's a really good point because, like, it, I think voice acting is something that it's one of those things that you notice when it bothers you, you know, or when it doesn't, or right. it's a little bit off. So, like, that's that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, and the Hades guy, um, Logan Cunningham, <clears throat> that's the one that really spoke out to me recently. Like, as I've been playing a bunch, uh, every time I go back to Hades. Um, uh, I don't know. I go back with a vengeance. Like no matter how I just did the round, I'm trying not to spoil anything, but um, the the narrative that's delivered by Logan has been incredibly enjoyable. That's awesome. Yeah, see, I've got to get to that soon. You really should. All right, best audio design. So in this category, we have Doom Eternal, Half Life, Alex, 
Ghost of Tsushima, Resident Evil 3, and Last of Us Part 2. That's a nice, a really nice set of games. <laughs> yeah, and so many games deserve to be here, including these five. Like, uh, there's such, such incredible audio designers out there now. Um, I played three of these. I yeah. played the first three. Um, I don't know. I guess I'd immediately lean to Doom Eternal just because of the environmental audio um, really added to each. Like, from a player journey perspective, my beat-by-beat first-person experience through Doom Eternal, uh, the audio is tremendously relevant to conveying information to me. It is. And by all means, that's true for a lot of games. But it just, it really felt right in Doom Eternal. I, I 100% agree with that. Like, it was such a part of the experience, almost in the way like we talked about before, where it, it was so much part of the experience, you almost didn't notice it. Or you could easily not notice it, you know? Yeah, and, like your your subconscious is reacting to it, but consciously you're just in the gameplay. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so the nice, the, the thing that I love about the sound design in Tsushima is it does such a good job of mixing with the the it's one of the prettiest games I've prettiest open world games I've ever seen. Uh For sure. It just mixes together to make you feel like you're transported into another place. And that's that is super like uh hard to achieve in that way, mm-hmm. you know? Oh man. Yeah. No, they certainly deserve to be here. I need to finish Ghost of Tsushima. Oh. I, I I got so into the multiplayer mode I never went back to finish the campaign. I'm a, my stream elements bot is, it needs a subscription. So I'm uh, giving it one right now. <laughs> it it awesome. does, it doesn't play the emotes if it's not subscribed. <laughs> there. there we go. All right. Oh, so we, I got to give Barley another treat here real quick. Uh, so last of us part two is what actually took this award. I can safely assume that makes sense. Right. <laughs> given the quality of Naughty Dog. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, that's one that you could almost like just, you know, it's, it's, it's a safe assumption that they're, that they're going to, you know, get in there. So. Right. All right. Let me catch up on this. Okay, good. I've only had two shots. I've got one in the queue. You know what? I'm going to do that right now. Okay. Let's just get this party started. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to play the song, too. Doing this the right way. Cheers, everybody. All right. Next. Wait a minute. Okay. I didn't realize they were going to separate these. Um, The next one is best score in music. Gotta separate them. Yeah, sound no, design's very different. I, yeah. I agree. I just in my head, I was bringing it all together. So, but oh. but yeah, absolutely, the score and music is different. Um, so there, the uh, the options here are again Doom Eternal, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hades, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and Last of Us Part Two. This is like an epic group of games. Like, and these are all quite good in their soundtracks yeah they're titanic in their own ways um five different genres again so that's always fun to see uh i mean i of course i agree final fantasy 7 remake is the best score in music of course Um, you do and actually i agree with it too 
No, it was fantastic. Is, is the best <laughs> in the world, man. Um, man, J- Japanese composers are just better. They're just better, man. <laughs> like they really are the best. I, I've been trying to uh, learn music composition off and on these past few months, and um, <laughs> it just keeps coming back to that. Like they're just they're just the best modern composers. You got a wow, Will, in the chat. <laughs> oh. They're just better. I mean, I, I can't. It's hard to disagree with that. Like it's I I loved the music in Final Fantasy VII remake. Like. There's so much. I think there were like 108 unique tracks or something. Yeah. It's just a tremendous amount of effort from them to actually. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of great in that game. Miller. But I ain't going to kill demons to Final Fantasy music. <laughs> You're doing it wrong then. Uh, yeah. I can point you to some music that's relevant. <clears throat> yeah. But no, by all means, right? Doom Eternal still nails it. Hades, my goodness. Um, the others, of course, Ori and Last of Us. Yeah, Man. I mean, they, they all deserve to be here. You know, I this this list is actually going to help me prioritize what I play right now because I, I posted a tweet earlier today about how I spend more time like just locked looking at the list of games I want to play than I do actually playing them just because I don't know where to go. I don't know where to start. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's it's overwhelming. You you talking about your backlog from last year? I, I have I have so many games that I need to experience, and I, I think I'm going to use this list as kind of a touch point for kind of where I prioritize some stuff. And and you and I've talked about this before. One of the things I used to do, and maybe I need to do this again, is is do that ten hours in mentality where I'm like, let me just put ten hours into something, right? Enough to experience it then either decide if I want to move on or be okay with moving on and trying something else because there's so much stuff that I need to experience. Yeah. I found 10 is a pretty good number. Like I've, you know, I think a long time ago, uh, maybe when I moved to Illinois to you, um, you had mentioned you were playing games like two hours and then moving on. Yep. And I remember just gasping, like how, how could you possibly yeah. You're barely through the tutorial, if you will. You're barely through the, the early game moments to teach you the game. So yeah. And that's 10, why I increased really it because <laughs> two yeah. hours was not enough. Right. Like, and, you know, to, to get a real good feel for a game. Uh, tutorial, the tutorial better not be shit then. <laughs> That's right. True. All right. So I think we've, uh, in the chat, there's been a bunch of mixed uh, opinions about the best score here. All of these games good. got uh, some some love in the chat, which is great. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Now, best art direction. Man, this one's tough too because it's essentially, is it the same list? It's pretty much the same list. It's Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and Last of Us Part Two. I do not have memory of Ghost of Tsushima winning this one. Yeah, I'm glad it did because, like I said before, it's one of the most beautiful games of most beautiful open world games I've ever seen. It's fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I and that's another like retrospective I hope to see at GDC one day, like the um how they handled their modular art whatever stuff to populate that world. Yeah. Because it feels very handcrafted. Every like every turn feels handcrafted and so they, they did it, but I, I don't necessarily believe every bit was handcrafted. Maybe it was though. Because you know, I immediately think of games like Skyrim where I know they had six modular art kits and then yeah. 
some folks went around and just built with those modular art kits. So there's a lot of that. Like um, there are a lot of buildings that are very much the same in different sure. spots, you know, that, yeah, yeah. you know, traditional, you know, methods for that kind of stuff. And it's regionally placed, right? So it's like, you know, in this area of the map, these type of, of log cabin type huts are here. And over here, there's houses that are that have like a lot more moss and, and grass over top of them and things like that. But the actual individual buildings, there are times where I walk in and I'm like, I've been in this building 10 times before. But now, yeah. you know, the the layout of the props is different and what you find inside, you know, like that kind of stuff. So they definitely do a lot of the instancing for sure. Uh, yeah, it, uh, Tsushima is only PS4 or PS5, yes. Yeah, hopefully one day they'll bring it to PC. I, I was really hoping, just a tangent for a moment, that... Um, I don't know, something would happen between Sony and Epic to where the Epic Games Store would be like the exclusive PC place for, I don't know, Sony games or something. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'd rather it be on Steam for my achievements, but, um, you know, I'll take what I can get here. And when they did Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, the PC, I got incredibly excited for that future. And then no one else as a Sony studio, to my knowledge, has moved something to PC besides um, Gorilla. So, meh. I think... I think that uh wait what is the the zombie game that they did crap uh, days gone game. days gone uh, uh i think that's on its way or at least being worked on that'd be cool. we'll see we will see I'd, I'd love to play that on pc yeah i it's uh i played you know several hours on the ps4 i looked at it on the ps5 uh and it looks really nice there which is cool but yeah, it's a it's a solid game. Our buddy Nick Zitman worked on that. Yeah, we got quite a few buddies up there. Yeah, and then they're there. Ah, the the Token Oregon Triple A Studio. I'm trying to think if there's another one. Uh, because they're in Bend, right? Yes. Um, I think Eugene has a couple studios. Like anyone here probably knows Oregon um, uh, geography. Kenny Schwartz there, is up at a studio there too, and I'm trying to. He think, is. I'm trying um, to think what the name of it is. <laughs> there is a studio there. He's at the Eugene one. I'm totally blanking on. I just had a, a a friend from Tiburon go up there recently too. Oh yeah. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I can't think of what it's called. Pipe Pipeworks something that like that. Sounds right. That Someone sounds right. Yeah, yeah. So, somebody tell us. Somebody look it up. Let us know. <laughs> Don't let Willie Fitz get away with any shit. <laughs> All right, Miller. Appreciate you hanging out, buddy. Good to see you. All right. Yeah, it is Pipeworks, they said. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. Now, so, but art direction-wise, this this is an interesting category for me because, again, these five games are very different, right? Like, as far as the, the type of aesthetic that they have. And uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, like, it, that is a beautiful game to me. Every oh, everything is, yeah. like it's like that style is just super. Just like um, the Rayman Legends games and that whole you know like just that that style and that color depth and that palette like that. I love that a lot. And I think part of that for me is being colorblind. That style still resonates real well with me somehow. Like I, I don't know what okay. it is about it, but that and then what I also see in Tsushima are are very. Like the colors are broader 
you know, where uh, when you think of some games, like the, the when colors are more realistic, they tend to blend together a little bit more. Um, sure. So, like, it's, I don't know if that's just appealing to me. Just, I, I often think about back when the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis were both available, how much more I was drawn to the Super Nintendo because of the color palette and how the Genesis had felt what felt like a much blander and limited kind of color spectrum. I don't know why that is, what that is. I need to explore that a little bit more. But it's it's something that I keep thinking back to when I think about when color kind of drove a decision for me. Yeah, because the Genesis expanded to a, or it came out as a 32-bit and had a, an expansion cartridge on top to 64-bit graphics. Other way. It was 16, then they did the 32-bit. The okay, but they got, a, they got a 32, and, and yeah. SNES stayed at 16. Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. All yeah, right, because right, Nintendo 64. Right, right, right. Okay. I remember now. All right. You ready? Oh, man. <laughs> this next category is is a big one. Best in narrative. Ooh. So, wait. I don't know this first game. 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. I do not know this at all. Nor do I. Uh, and then Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I think might be... Oh, man. Am I willing to say this? It might be the best final fantasy story like period i think it's just getting started yeah i'm just saying like i what they've done is is amazing like it's i I can't wait to see where they go with it but i'm i'm super super into it Mm -hmm. uh then ghost of tsushima the the and i want to talk about that a little more specifically uh hades and last of us part two which I, i for the record i've not played last of us part two yet and and i want to but i have not yet yeah, and uh, these games have different narrative design styles, too. Yes, So yes. that makes this much more difficult to judge. And that's why I want to talk about Tsushima, because the the thing that I love so much about what they've done is it's really hard to tell when you're playing main quest and side quest stuff. It melds yeah. so well together that it just feels like one big experience. Literally, you can just find something to do, and it's going to be gratifying. They did such such a good job of like their how they structure the missions. All of them are relatively short. You know, it's like, you know, 10 minutes of content here, 20 minutes at max over here. Um, I never felt like, well, I can't get into this mission because, you know, I don't have enough time like that. That is a, for me, the kind of gamer I am, it, it just hits really well with me. Sure. I agree. I agree. Uh, those of us that are older with careers and all that, that kind of design is most welcome. Definitely. So, which of these stood out most to you for narrative? Mm, so, ah, the style, right? It's all about the style. So, okay, Ghost of Tsushima and Hades both stand out to me with their kind of, I'm going to call it procedural storytelling. Like, they they blend, there's clearly a linear experience in both games, yeah. but they blend it so well with their sandbox elements. Um, whereas Final Fantasy VII Remake, Everybody knows going in, unless you just truly have never played a Final Fantasy, chances are this is going to be super linear. Um, and it is, but you know it has particular chapters that let you uh, have a semi-linear experience if you care to go wide at times and then come right back to the on-rails journey. I, I think in terms of the on-rails narrative storytelling, Final Fantasy VII Remake is the best here. Oh, in terms so of procedural storytelling, I'd give it to Hades over Ghost of Tsushima, but... And we're just talking narrative here, yeah, but yeah. man, they're both titans. And then Last of Us, I you know, I played the first one. I remember loving it to death, um, but I cannot speak intelligently to the second one. Yeah, same. 
and I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to see 13 Sentinels in here just because I have no idea what it is. Uh, I'm yeah, going to look into that one because that, right. I mean, it looks a little more indie just from the image that I see here. Uh, but I'm curious what that's going to, what that's going to be like. So the good news here is of these games, I've, you know, finished one and I'm, I'm real deep into another one. So, so I've at least got <laughs> some, some, you know, knowledge of, of these, which is good. And I, I love, I don't know. I just, I love this list. Like, a, like these, where we're getting to is now the kind of the Titan lists of things, which is good. I like it. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about this, about the best art direction before that, about the best score in music before that, as I scroll down and cheat and the best audio design, how far is this going to go? So given those, all this, so all the audio and art and narrative that we just discussed, uh, at least, or each time I want to say three of the five were Sony game studios. Mm. So that is true. Correlation. Just saying. That is true. Interesting. All right. Yeah. They, man. So another thing that I think they do really well, like you're right about that part. And when I also think of Sony studios, I think of how, how well they use the hardware, right? Like they, when you're only sure. building for one piece of hardware and you can really kind of, you know, stretch it to and, and really maximize, you know, that platform, Sony's real good at that. I mean, Nintendo is as well, right? Um, and when it comes to Microsoft stuff, it tends to be on multiple platforms and kind of built in a more either PC or, you know, both uh, way. But traditionally, when a game is made just for the PlayStation, it seems like it it has kind of an extra 20% of of you know awesomeness on top of it somehow because of the way they kind of utilize the hardware they're good at it no they they do and the thing is like i prefer xbox controllers i always have i think it feels better in my hands period and any game i play i want an xbox controller if i'm using a controller as my input i agree however however yes the advanced tech that has been in playstation controllers these past couple iterations is just damn cool yep and Nintendo the same way. It's just really inventive, you know, and they're not going to get it right every time, but both Nintendo and Sony tend to take, you know, greater chances on that and enable we developers to take advantage of that with yeah. particular game design elements. So I yeah, mean, it's it's very thought provoking as a game designer. You're right. We we've essentially had the same Xbox controller since the Xbox S, right? Like, you know, it's 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 yeah. it's changed a little, right? But it's essentially the same Xbox controller with a little bit of change as as they've moved along, right? Right, and which when you're the best, you know, like that's that's what you should do, probably, right? Like right. like the X the the three sixty controller is just amazing, right? Like it fits my hand so well, everything lays out right. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, now the new the PS five controller is so awesome. Like there there is. Do you have a PS five yet? We do. Okay. Yep. Like, just like, there were things about that controller that surprised me. Times where I was like, my controller is broken. I'm like, oh, no, no, it just does something different. Like, where it would, all of a sudden, the trigger would have a stopping point that it had predetermined. And, you know, my finger would go down and it would stop. And then I had to give extra pressure to click through. Like, that's that's a really cool change that you can do software side to give a different feel. Uh, have you experienced that yet? I have not actually played a game on the PS5. Okay, you should try out uh, Bug Snacks, the one that it's one of the, the okay. games that comes with it. Is that what it's called, Bug Snacks? I think uh, it has a thing in there where there's like a camera mode, and suddenly the trigger, instead of going all the way down, 
like has a stopping point about halfway and then it's like you're pushing the button down the rest of the way and it just changes oh my god jake just hit me with a <laughs> with a jump scare <laughs> i guess i didn't turn the sound off on those it's probably a good thing <laughs> anyway but yeah like just the dynamic change of of that stuff is uh is really cool and something i hadn't experienced before and i and i literally thought my controller was broken for a moment so. <laughs> right so that's cool man um yeah no it'd be really cool to uh be a game designer leveraging that sort of tech i'll have to uh put that on my bucket list yeah definitely all right this next category is a biggie best game direction and uh we've got a list of titans again with uh final fantasy 7 remake ghost of tsushima hades half-life alex and last of us part two yeah, so, you know, this category should immediately remind and or teach people for the first time how similar film direction, film directing and game design can be um, based on the genre. And uh, yeah, I've really learned that the past couple years of my career, just how much overlap there is as I, I don't know, become more aware of things I watch in both show and film. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. The Last of Us Part Two would would get this. Mm -hmm. um, it's certainly the most cinematic experience of all of them here. And I don't know there's still plenty of differences between game direction and game design too. So it's it, the way they phrase this category to be kind of together. Uh, I think there's opportunity to separate it further, but, but yeah, no, I think last of us part two, having not played it is still kind of the no brainer uh, winner here. Yeah. But, like I wouldn't pick final fantasy seven remake for best game direction. Of really? This list. And I mean, I adore the game, right. But um, I mean, it's still top tier game direction. Mm -hmm. But uh, knowing what I know from the first Last of Us by playing it and the second one through um, Friends and Media and other stuff and having played the other games on the list. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Naughty Dog always nails game direction. Oh, I, I'm with you. Like it's 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 a fool's errand to try and, you know, fight against this. Uh, yeah, I like, think they <laughs> always win if they yeah. released a game that year. Yeah. Uh, but with now what they added here though is it's awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction right and so that's where i i would i would bring up tsushima just be, like a, because of what i mentioned before with like how it's so well done with i never know you know uh, what's happening as far as like is it main content is it side content do those terms even exist in this game you know like right. and like it just it was just so well done in that regard that it, it was a, a really good immersive experience and I'm still playing it. I mean, I'm like 40 hours in and still in act two because there's so much shit to do. So it's, it's a, uh, it's definitely something that feels innovative to me for sure. Yeah. And this category defines itself as, you know, awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation. Right. So the key phrase creative That's vision true. and innovation. So with that, the last of us totally makes sense to um, literally Shane's point in the chat though. Um, you know, if you uh, loosen that phrasing and just think about direction uh, more broadly, then you do start considering things like management and publishing and all uh, the um, yeah. stories you hear and certainly stories you probably heard about that particular studio at times. That is true. Um, uh, management style and crunch and those kind of things are they, they have to kind of be considered in this. Right. Like, uh, you know, well, and, you know, let's bring up cyberpunk right where you know if a, a game a game is great right but if we're talking about what it took to get there 
that's uh that's a big part of uh, that has to be a big part of that discussion right and that's, i hope that's they tough. add in a word for this honestly that would be such a political move that i would probably support a adding an award that's explicit for I, I don't know i just had this thought really but uh best game experience relative to um effort like best developer experience yeah, yeah. As a game developer, <laughs> what is the best? Ex you know, and I know we kind of have awards for like best game studio of the year for other uh, third party folks that aren't the video game awards. But yeah, mm. that'd be really interesting because you would elevate that sort of perspective to all of the gamers that are watching the video game awards. And maybe they slowly but surely would adjust and appreciate game developers and understand the basics. That is a really interesting point. It would just feed into a lot, a lot of potential benefit. Huh. CD Project Red was, wasn't making people sleep at their desks to model gore for months and end. They just worked some Saturdays. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I've, I've heard much more. Uh, I've heard worse stories than that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. how would no, you? I, I don't know how you objectively quantify that, for sure. But there well, is a lot of subjectivity in this in general, right? I mean, there's a lot of measurability in this too. Like, whether people, whether companies want to, you know, look inward on that or not, you can measure how many uh, human hours were spent in a particular sprint from a particular discipline. If you wanted to broad stroke it and be like, oh well, you know, we notice our our artists spent 60 hours a week on these particular sprints, and then to, whatever, right? You can go down that that thought process, and you you could measure out um, human hour effort to other stuff and it only becomes subjective when some some power above put a stake in the ground and said this is the release date or this is the date for this gate versus that gate versus the following gate and that you know i'm sure the folks shot calling that at a studio are trying to do so with measurable data they're not just yoloing it but um yeah once you have those stakes in the ground everything else should be measurable yeah no that's true but there's there's things that are also Man, game dev is so complex, right? Like you could have two different studios make the same exact game and and just the crew of people and their personalities and their work styles and those things would make the whole process completely different, right? And and what they come out as a result with very different. Like it's I I agree with you like we can we can measure that, but it's kind of hard to also then compare that to something else that you know, for, you know, a whole other game at a whole other studio that had a whole different set of objectives, right? Like it's, it's going to be a tough kind of thing to measure and put on an equal playing field. You know what I mean? That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. It would be very difficult to compare to two games or two studios. But that doesn't mean we can't try. And, and I like, mm -hmm. I like the thought. Uh, what I like specifically about the thought is that it would get companies thinking about, that side of things more and wanting to be a place that 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 shines in that area and i think that that would be valuable right no that's that's definitely the point i was leading with for sure agree all right what do we got next we got oh we are we're actually at the end we got game of the year Ooh, man all right, so there's take like a two minute break and come up with Plan B. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, we got um, we got plenty we can talk about. Let's that's <laughs> right. All right, so there's six of them here, which is good. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, all of these definitely 
deserve to be here. Um, we got Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Animal Crossing, and Last of Us Part Two. That is quite the list. Yeah. And this one is certainly tough because even as it qualifies itself, a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you're judging this, maybe you break down each discipline and I don't know, rate it one to 10 or something and compare scores and make it. I mean, that's probably how I'd have to think about it. Uh, but yeah, no, they all deserve to be here. A couple others might also deserve to be here that aren't. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think overall, I'd say Final Fantasy VII Remake for Game of the Year. I, it is definitely my number two. But uh, I have not played The Last of Us Part Two, so right, right, me, same, same. So that 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 is a, uh, I mean, and it was the winner, you know, from the Game Awards, and a lot of people love that game, so it's kind of hard to argue with that. Um, but man, like sure. I said, Ghost of Tsushima for me just is, but it, I think a lot of that also has to do with kind of where I am in my life, the kind of game I'm trying to play. I'm also playing it exclusively on stream. So I'm only playing three hours a week, but every time I play it, I love it. And it's, it's a really great game to stream. So I don't know. Final fantasy seven, just, it hooked me, man. I played, I wasn't going to stop. Actually, I played that whole thing on stream too. Uh, so that was, that was interesting there. Uh, there's some good rumors on seven right now. <clears throat> I was hoping, so they just had a concert this past weekend. And uh, we were all hoping to hear some news, and there was a tweet that teased we might hear some news, and then there was no news. Oh. To my knowledge, there was no news. I wasn't at the concert, clearly. But, um, yeah, so we still need to know, you know, what's the PS5 version of Remake look like? What does the PC version look like? I assume those are the same build. And there are further rumors that there's going to be new content. Really? And As so, in, yeah. like... Like DLC type content, free content, oh. as I understand it. Again, rumors, rumors. But um, the source of this rumor has nailed like six other things they said last year. So I'm going to go with it. Interesting, huh? All right. I still need to go back because there's like material that I missed and things Tons like of that. Yeah. yeah. So there's, you know, I definitely did not hundred percent that game. Uh, I think I did do every side quest. Like, you know, I did the, I think I probably hundred percented like the, you know, the content, you know, as far as like making sure right. I experienced all the missions and that kind of thing. Now that game did a really good job of, of allowing me to do that. And they made it clear through their, the, uh, you know, through their, their quest system and everything. Hey, there's, there's quests here. You haven't, you haven't found yet. You should probably go find those, you know, like that mm -hmm. kind of thing, which personally I super appreciate as someone who, it's it's more of it's it's less that I want my hand holded more that I want to just know where the thing that there's something there to find you know what I mean like yeah. uh, and and we have turned into a society through games where we do more hand holding now than we used to um, yeah. but I think in a lot of those cases I I appreciate it because I don't have to think about some things and I can make sure that I get to experience the content that's there that's that's kind of the 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 upside to that I think. And I just felt they did a really I'd good agree. job of it, you know? Yes, they did. Well, yes, especially did. with the, uh, the, <laughs> we've turned into a society. <laughs> that's a, that's a great partial quote there. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you know, the, um, the thing that they, 
the other piece they did specifically well was they let me know when I was going to leave and then I would no longer have access to content. And I love when a game will tell me that. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. Final Fantasy's always done that pretty well. I mean, quite a few of them. Um, and it, it's always, I don't know, you can feel the tension in the air in the game right before they even tell you. Like, like the whole aesthetic is already telling you. Like, I remember in Final Fantasy XV, when you're going to Altitia, which is like chapter 8 or so, it's about halfway through the game, if you're, I don't know, doing what you're supposed to be doing in the open world part of the game. And, um, and yeah, it, it just they just nailed the whole aesthetic really well. And 7, the same thing, nailed it really well. And a few others that I've played. Definitely. All right, so now that we've kind of reached the end here, what are your, out of all these games, if I said to you, what are the the top three games in order that I should play? I'm going to let you make this list for me. What are they? And what number do you guys in the Hades. chat think, too? You, number yeah. one is Hades. Okay, all right. I mean, knowing you've already played seven in Ghost of Tsushima, True. so there's, True. that's a caveat. But yeah, I think Hades, objectively, any any game designer needs to play Hades. I okay. can't repeat that statement enough. Um. I mean, I guess I say the same ignorance, right? I guess we need to go play The Last of Us Part Two, like, yeah, super that is duper. true. So, um, I, that's going to be my number one for myself. Uh, but yeah, Hades, Last of Us Part Two. I'm scrolling down, thinking. I mean, you played Doom Eternal too, so yeah, um, I didn't finish it though. I ones. should play more of it. Yeah. Um, and now that I, mean, I, have I love Insomniac games, I bet Miles Morales is really good. I played Spider Man. Real good. And Miles yeah, Morales so, is real good, man. That's probably my number two or three I need to do. Um, I mean, like I said earlier, I love Don't Not Entertainment. So I'm also going to add to my personal list. Tell me why I need to go check it out. Yep. Um, have you played Warzone? Do you, do you like Battle Royales? I, uh, those are two questions. Uh, I have only played a little bit of Warzone. I do enjoy Battle Royales. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoy Apex and, um, Spellbreak are my two that I play Spellbreak the most. Spellbreak was cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, the, I, I've not been a big fan of the Call of Duty mechanics lately. Like I just, I don't know it. It's not my style of game to play much right now. Really, Modern Warfare. It's. I think Modern Warfare might be the best they've ever I, done. I, hold okay. on, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're not doing a good job. I'm just saying for me, like oh, I don't okay. know. I'm I'm. Uh, it's 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 a little more um, realistic than I care for at the moment. I, I'm, okay. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Uh, but like, you know, something like with, uh, with spell break, it's, it's magic, right? Like I'm, I'm flinging things around. I don't have to be as accurate, you know, like it's that vibe more than it is the, you know, pinpoint accuracy and, you know, someone kind of peeking around a corner and getting me as I walk into a room like that, so. that style is very different. All right, so I have to ask you a question for Spellbreak. Are you an Earth and Fire guy? I'm an Earth main, yes. Yeah, okay. I, I, you strike me as one. Okay, yeah. cool. Because, you strike yeah, me as one. Why do you say that? I mean, based on what you just said, because <laughs> Earth is pretty um, accessible. It is. It is. Yeah. I, uh, I tend to do uh, Earth with either Fire or uh, Toxic as my offhand. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That's definitely the yes. Oh, that's cool. Um, they certainly synergize really well. Uh, yeah, and Spellbreak, just as a side note, like, for folks that haven't played that yet, you cer certainly should. It's a very interesting Battle Royale. 
Um, the theming of the magic is still really guns. Like, I get it's magic and magic's neat. And there's some mechanics that can justify with that. But yeah. it's still the same old, how many times can you fire within... Like, like how... Yeah, it's just all the gun stuff. It's still gunplay at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. Magic. Definitely. Which is uh, a benefit, because they can lean on a lot of the designs there and very carefully uh, expand creatively. And, you know, I guess I got to call it Apex Legends, too. Apex is a phenomenal game. Yep, that is that um, is the other one. Yeah, that's... I need to actually jump back into it. And as a matter of fact, I just reinstalled it. The thing that I don't have right now is just like a, a squad. Like, I don't have... I, everything I do is solo queue for the most part, and that is the okay. worst way to play Apex Legends by far. Um, so, like, what I need to do is find a couple of people that want to play, and then just like really get in and play with people. Like, I, I just I don't I don't do that enough, and I need to do more of that. Most of that has to do with my the time that's available. You know, like I I tend to game mostly in the mornings, uh, but I need to I need to solve that problem. I think. Word. All right, so to answer your question, the the short list here, if you ask me my top three that I'd recommend, and mm-hmm. then we should totally see what others are saying. Hades, The Last of Us Part Two, No Man's Sky. In that order. Because Hades and The Last of Us Part Two, you can knock out pretty quick, and the No Man's Sky is what you make it. All right. Man, No Man's Sky is one that... I know that's going to be an investment. That's going to be an investment uh, it, It's of truly time. what you make it, though. You can stay on particular quest lines. You can ignore that completely and enjoy sandbox. You can get into the economics of each system and start playing them against each other. There's a lot of uh, optional depth. So that's one of its greatest strengths. All right. All right. I hear you. Well, I the mean, other two are pretty linear, so. Yeah, I mean, Hades is one that I need definitely need to make happen real soon. And I think actually that's one that I don't own yet because I wasn't sure where I wanted to play it. So I need to fix that. Yeah, I would swear by Steam. Um, my fiance would swear by Switch. So that's where she played it. So I don't think you can go wrong. <laughs> Clever says, uh, concern, or sorry, Concern Clover says, uh, skip Last of Us 2 altogether. <laughs> Man, like the, the opinions are, are very strong in the chat tonight. <laughs> whether we like the game or not um it's important as i don't know game developers to know what they did right we need to go experience what they did and try to probably reverse engineer the strengths of it yep i agree uh so uh kiwi asked how is hades if you're not big into roguelikes so i am not big on roguelikes okay um at all, really. No criticism toward him. I just, that's not what I like to play. I mean, unless you stretch and say Dark Souls and stuff have those kind of mechanics, which I do enjoy. But um, besides the Binding of Isaac, which was drilled into me by Mr. Jordan Ejloni, uh, but I didn't really play it until after I left Volition, that was a fantastic game. And so that's, that's the only roguelike that's ever appealed to me um, until Hades. And so Hades you barely feel like it's a roguelike. Like early on, I guess it's pretty heavy, but it unfurls more and more features and systems and progression vectors and bite-sized narrative the whole way and more characters. And it's just more, more, more. And it scales so ridiculously well. Man. So um, I, yeah, no, I, I think it, it becomes so much more than a roguelike. Okay. That's interesting. But early game, it is pretty standard roguelike, just really high polished. Because like the first eight hours I was playing, I was like, okay, this is just roguelike. I don't get the big deal yet. 
uh, then then I some stuff happened and I got it. Wait, how long? Became, how long did you say? Probably my first. Um, no, probably my first four hours. My first four hours. Okay. Um, was definitely that polish roguelike experience. Loop it. Get good at the combat. Slowly unlock more weapons. Kind of choose some of my own progression there. But yeah, there's a couple major catalysts that will occur, both in like features and systems, and also narrative that um, synergize well. That just keeps expanding and opening the game. <laughs> so <laughs> Clover just said, I don't consider it a game when there are more hours of cutscenes than gameplay. <laughs> Feels like they wanted to make a movie talking about last of us, uh, but they had to throw in game mechanics at the last moment. <laughs> I haven't experienced it yet. So, I mean, I don't know how accurate that is, uh, but I'm guessing he hates metal gear solid too. then. Well, yeah, well I would, I would assume so if that's the case, <laughs> Oh, but I don't know if there's any gameplay, it's a game to me, but uh, we're, we're, we're in opinion land now. But yeah, no, I get it. His, his criticism I've heard from a lot of people on Kojima's work, on Naughty Dog work, on other stuff. And yeah, you know, sometimes we're just truly not the, um, the target demographic for that stuff. I mean, because I sympathize. I don't want to sit there and watch cutscenes for hours either. Yeah. I will, but I'm, I'm doing it more for my professional perspective than for my enjoyment because i like being active I'm, I'm not really a passive person yeah more action and control i have the more fulfilled i am yeah that's interesting it, but to your earlier point though like it's it's almost an obligation for those of us in the industry to play it because of how much acclaim it's had right because we need to understand why you know like what is it they're doing well what is it that is resonating with people even if it doesn't resonate with us it's clearly resonating with a lot of people, right? So for that, sure. that's an important thing for us to make sure that we take a look at. Yep. So anything else about these top games from last year? Was there anything that actually, yeah, let's, let's, let's think about it this way. Was there anything that, that you felt got more acclaim than it deserved last year? That's a trap. I, that's a that's a super trap. I, I mean, it is, uh, but <laughs> it's also an opinion, you know. Uh, I mean, you I don't, don't have like to answer. Go over at my Steam list to see if I can give a good <laughs> answer here. Uh, I mean, okay, so, um, mm -mm. okay, as I'm gonna give an answer. I'm gonna give an answer. This is this is a weird this is a weird answer. I think. I don't want to say it's overrated. It's not overrated. I just think it's weird that it got two video game awards. Um, but I say that in a vacuum. If we go back and assess the specific awards, we can understand why it happened and all the stuff. And I'm not saying they don't deserve it. But uh, knee-jerk reaction to that question, probably my answer is Among Us. I knew that was going to be your answer. Right? Like, and I play Among Us. I enjoy Among Us. When they got an award, I, w I, was, I was cheering for them on my couch. I was so happy for that team. And then when they got the second one, I was like, oh, my God, that's so good for you. I don't know if I would have, you know, made that vote, but I'm so happy you got it. So yeah. that's where it's complicated for me. It's like uh, objectively, I don't know that I would have voted for it both times, but uh, but no, it's a it's a kick ass game. So let me ask ask this question, because this is something that I've I've thought about a lot with that game. If that game had not released during the pandemic, would it have had the same I don't think it did release in the pandemic. Oh, sorry. It did not release, but it got popular. It would have been out a pandemic. couple of years it got and popular. then it just blew up. Yeah, yeah, it got popular in the pandemic. That's what I mean. And actually, yeah, that's yeah. 
That actually is another interesting thing because should it even been eligible for awards? It didn't release that year. So that um, that's another kind of weird thing about this, right? Maybe their mobile version did, or maybe their PC version. Oh, mobile was probably first, and I'm talking... I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. I'm just guessing. But generally, mobile would have been first. PC would have been second, if I had to guess. So yeah, it's all about deployment, right? If they deployed once in 2020, they'd be eligible. Yeah, so Clever just said that the mobile did release the, uh, last year. So that makes sense. Okay. Then. Which Got makes it. sense why it was the mobile game. Okay, so that, that does make sense. So, but man, I... I really don't know. Like, I feel like a big part of of its success was was the situation. Uh, For sure. It, and like, would it have been as popular if it if we hadn't had the this pandemic? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, I I would suggest certainly not. That whole genre, the whole I don't even know what to call this genre: the witch hunt, the werewolf, the uh, mafia. That 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 yeah. game type, right? It. Uh, I adore those games. Me too. Um, I think they're incredible <laughs> icebreakers, incredible social games. They have a lot of benefit. And one of my favorite things to do every year is go to GDC and sit in a circle with a bunch of people I don't know and try to kill them that night and then the following night and whatever. Like it's it's such just yeah. I don't have the words to express how cool that is as an icebreaker when you're sitting with a bunch of strangers because by the end of that game. You, you all are relatively comfortable with each other. And then that opens so many doors for all of you in terms of further networking. So um, it's a clever thing that happens at GDC in particular. And I like other games of the genre too. Um, Count of Salem, I think in particular, is uh, best in class of that genre now. Yeah. After they re they kind of remade their entire game and released it again, and it's, uh, it's real good. So yeah, there's a couple things here. One, uh, it was brought up that Animal Crossing was a big pandemic success which is absolutely true, but that game also sells a ton of copies whenever it releases, right? Like, like that game is, is super popular, but man, it's so what, like 60 million copies this year or something like some absurd amount of copies. Yeah. I mean, it call it caused the switch shortage to occur. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, absolutely. They ran out of switches. <laughs> so yeah. Which is what a problem to have. Like, <laughs> I know the dream. Um, yeah, you know, Animal Crossing is fantastic in its own right. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the kind of player that you know wants to play that, but I get it. I the New Leaf is the one that I played the most of, and I played quite a bit of that. Wait, is that what's the newest one called? So, this is uh, New Leaf was the last one, right? Not this one, but yeah. the one before. The one before is the one I'm talking about. Uh, I played a lot of that one. This one, I don't know. I just, uh, I didn't, I didn't play as much of, of the newest one as I thought I would. And I'm not sure why. I think because my, my life didn't slow down during the pandemic. I got busier. Right. So yeah. like, I, I didn't have time for the, for those just, you know, spend a lot of time and chill in a game. Like, yep. But so another thing that came up here, and this is something I'm always curious about is should a port Equal a second qualification for an award. That's, Spicy. I know, right? Like, I, I'm not sure <clears> what the criteria <throat> is for that. Because when you think about, like, some of these games have been around for a while, and, and like, either an update or a new platform release, like, I don't really think about that being a new game, you know? Yeah, I mean, right. Right, it's it's that's a super difficult question to answer. Um, I also don't think of it as a new game, but each platform uh, deployment does take effort that people will certainly minimize, especially those who haven't gone through it. And each platform deployment may have unique content. That's a very common thing. Like the second and third time that's you may true. deploy a game, there's more content. 
I mean, you've got Skyrim that deploys everywhere and it's the same game, fine. But you've got, yeah, there's a lot of examples of Nintendo exclusive content when it gets ported <laughs> over there in particular. Yeah, Skyrim just came up. It would have not, it would have, it would have qualified so many times. <laughs> right. They would have probably rejected the nomination though. They're pretty classy stuff. Yeah, interesting. Like, what is the criteria? Like, I've never, I've never specifically looked at like, in order to be considered for the game awards, what is the the release date that was needed? And you know, like, I don't know, I don't know. Like, I I need to I need to look into that a little bit. I'm curious. Yeah, it's not the calendar year. It's sometime in November. I want to say mm. is when they mark it off. Well, it also had like a at least a couple of months of voting time, right? So. Right, right. And when the awards themselves happened, like in January or something, didn't they? December was it December? It's usually the first, the first half of December. Yeah. Okay, okay. So they do do it within that year. That's good. Yeah. When uh, when did Cyberpunk actually release? Was it this year? December tenth. I so think it was, it was last December year. Tenth. So, but it was after that something cutoff. Like that. Okay. Correct. It was after that cutoff. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be an interesting one for me. Right, because they're going to have a year to fix that game before mm -hmm. it's up for awards. That's an excellent position for them to be in. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope they can do it because, like, that was the game where somebody mentioned this when uh, they replied to my tweet about so many games in so little time about how you'll put off games because you know something is coming that you want to play. And that was the game for me. Cyberpunk is a game where I was like, this is going to absorb my life. I'm going to let this be the game I play a lot. And then it came out and I'm like, I want to wait until it's in better shape. Like I, I need to let them fix it for a while. So I'm kind of still waiting, even though it's sitting here installed. Yeah. Um, I don't know with, with whatever my sample sizes of my friends and people that I talk to about games, everyone that played cyberpunk on PC had minimal issues and enjoyed the hell. So, yeah, that's where I have it. Uh, I, I was getting some weird audio issues at first, uh, but I think I've solved all of that stuff. I, I played about a half hour of it just to kind of tinker with it. And right now I'm just kind of like, I don't want to get sucked into it yet. Because sure. I know it's going yeah, to absorb it's going to be me. a commitment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it just depends on next gen, or well, now gen, current gen versus last gen deployment. Last gen deployment had a ton of issues. Yes, mistakes were likely made there, but current gen seemed pretty pretty stable. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's and all the folks that couldn't get a PS5 that still on the PS4, for example, just blew the internet up. Yeah. But all this is grain of salt. You got to remember things like, you know, Warcraft 3 Reforged got a 0.5 Metacritic score by the community. That's silly. Um, there's even a, <laughs> there were even worse ones that happened um, of other games with really low, like less than one point of Metacritic score from the it's community. Absurd, right? Like the GameStop searched this, you know, 300 plus dollars. So whatever. Yeah. Like a group of people can accomplish anything. <laughs> you know, s something you said just reminded me. Whatever happened to the Diablo mobile game? Has that ever released? It is not released, but BlizzCon is Friday. Oh, it's and Friday. That's right. Man. So I expect Diablo 4. I expect Diablo Immortal. I'm, I'm ecstatic for Diablo. I will play the hell out of a Diablo mobile game. Yeah. I. So I agree. When I, when I thought that it was a great idea. I thought it was super good that they were doing it. They made a humongous mistake in announcing it the way they did because everyone was expecting Diablo 4 at that point, right? And that was two years ago. Is that right? If I remember right? I think that was two BlizzCons ago, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, I mean, 
It's important to know the Battle.net demographic and more importantly, those from the Battle.net demographic that are going to show up to BlizzCon every year. That's some real hardcore people. Yeah. I am one of those people. I am, I've been there the past <laughs> seven or eight BlizzCon, so I get it. And uh, <clears throat> it didn't bother me because I'm also a mobile gamer. But, but yeah, I remember sitting in the audience. I was pretty close up to the stage and, and people just started arguing with each other right there in the crowd. Really? Some people just immediately started saying things, pretty messed up stuff. And then other people that kind of had my belief were like, whoa, you know, when he asked, do you not have phones? I mean, I kind of agree with that. Do, do you not like, have, are you so close minded you refuse to even process the possibility of a good mobile thing? But really, none of that matters. What mattered is they, they heard, they, they experienced the aesthetic of Diablo. They were set to an expectation and their expectation was not properly managed in that moment which of course is going to have severe emotional reactions. So, yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh... I wish they would have done both, right? I wish they would have done Diablo Immortal almost as like a troll. Like, it's real, but also we're going to let you think for a minute and be mad and then bam, drop Diablo 4 right behind. That, but I, I'm that sure they all the think play. that now. That would have been the play. Yeah, that would have right? been a sick play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you, though. I, I think it's a great idea, and I'm curious to try it. It might be one of those mobile games that, that I can actually enjoy, you know, like instead of I think fumbling so. with the yeah. controls. So. Yeah, I'm really hoping it's not um, the standard free-to-play, tons of microtransactions, pay-to-win crap, and it's going to be, you know, pay for convenience, <sighs> cool, pay for status. I'll buy that outfit to look cooler than you all day and swag on you with that. Right. Take my money with those ways. And, and I think they will. I think they're going to nail it. Uh, well, the, the question is going to be, are they going to make the Diablo 3 mistake, right? Like, the, remember when it first launched and they had the, the auction house and, and the, the way that all was orchestrated in How the beginning? How is that a mistake? How, why is that a mistake? They changed it. So <laughs> there was just a big community outcry well, with kind of how it was structured, right? That, that's all, all that I'm really pointing, I pointing to. I loved a real money auction house. That could convert into battle net currency and stuff. I thought that I don't was be such a cool way to let more people be able to kind of enjoy the game, grind the game, not have to spend the money because they can sell in game assets, collect that, and then spend it across battle net on the other Blizzard products. That that idea had a lot of merit. That uh, I agree. The internet just freaks out when you try to bring money into things. The same thing kind of happened when uh, Bethesda tried to do uh, monetized modding for like a week and that blew up in their face unfortunately Dude, and what a good and, idea that i was. know i was so excited users, about that right all the players are getting mad and i'm sitting over here a modder thinking like dude they're going to let me keep 25 percent of what you're willing to pay do you know how that would right. enable me as an indie modder for the right. first time in game industry's history and then of course no one else has really tried it since then unfortunately and it, it had tremendous i don't know it was a good idea that i didn't think was executed poorly I, I mean, sure, there's always opportunity to improve, but um, yeah, these these were really interesting ideas that could have made a difference for creators. Yeah. Um, that now won't. They weren't ready, man. The people weren't ready. It was too Correct. much too soon. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's uh, what innovation has to come with the right amount of adoption. You know what I mean? Like. You can't go too far too fast. Or at the very least, you've got to do it in a way, you got to present it in a way that people understand. Because I think what happened in both of those cases that we've been talking about is there was an expectation that was not at all met, right? I think there was a poor, probably a poor job or maybe more could have been done to prepare people for what was coming and, and having a little bit more. Because it, 
especially with the Diablo three one, I think it was, there was a lot of fear involved, right. Of like, is this going to cost me, cost me to, to do what I want to do? You know what I mean? And, and I think, I think that can, can scare people like as, as mobile games can now, right. Where people are like, do I have to pay to compete? Right. And that, that's a general thought from people. Uh, it's not a thought I care, have or, or care about personally, but I get that sense. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. No matter how much I disagree with people thinking that way and wish I could help them think, um, I don't know, better. Uh, yeah, their dollar's worth as much as yours and mine. Yeah. So majority rules. Well, and these are the people that you want to play your game, right? Well, these are the people that are part of the audience you're going to have play your game, right? Yeah, <laughs> not necessarily the people you want to play your game you and i have had a lot of discussions about how people that pay to play games are on a different playing field than those that play them for free right that's right for yeah. sure and it's uh i think there's there's definitely a there's a difference in mentality sure but there's also a difference in like investment time and and mental investment in, into a game if, I, if i'm paying to play something i'm going to be more invested in it Right. And my skill level is probably going to be higher than someone who's, you know, tinkered around with it and, and probably not being as serious about it. Uh, sure. Yeah. That's absolutely an element of retention. Yeah. I don't remember why I got onto that topic, but all right. <laughs> and Canadian corn dog makes a good point that I, I should have made. So kudos to them. Uh, Roblox. Roblox is a shining example of being able to be a creator and monetize your creation and Roblox enables so much there. Yeah, no, if, if I could re-roll, gosh, yeah, if I could be like 15 years younger and re-roll, I would totally be a Roblox modder. Big time. Or the new Manticore stuff that's coming to Epic Game Store soon. Like, that's a big deal. That's going to be a huge competitor to Roblox. Wait, but yeah, there's, there's these... what is that? I haven't heard about this. So Core is kind of the, the street term for them, but Manticore. So Core is, uh, it's, it's, philosophically similar to Roblox, but it's made in Unreal Engine. And it is uh, basically, yeah, you come in, you use their tools, you make your games, your game modes, etc. And then uh, as a player, when you come in to core, you look at all these games available and uh, you just choose among them which ones you want to play. And they each have their own experiences and monetization models and all the stuff. So it's basically the same strengths Roblox has, but with a um well just i i don't want to say more modern because like i I don't know i haven't really got into it a ton but if you tell me i can have the roblox experience with the unreal engine i'm already sold so um yeah but i highly recommend people checking it out that article came out this week i think sometime very recently that that's going to be on the epic game store and they already have a standalone client too so interesting it's pretty cool i checked it out for a couple hours to see their tools yeah i'll check that out so uh, Jude just said something in the chat. He said, I think you're objectively wrong about paying to play win and would love to have a deeper conversation about it one day. I'm curious. I'm curious about that because I'm not sure. I didn't hear anything that made me think you, you were wrong. So I'm curious what Come that's me, about. Jude. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I guess Jude likes pay to win because that's the only opposition I would hear to what I said. <laughs> I think I was talking more about, about it than you were, but <laughs> is Roblox done in the Unreal Engine? Uh, I, I guess I don't know for sure, but I thought it was proprietary. 
I'm not sure. Um, the reality engine. Yeah, it's their it's their stuff. They're not going to want to give Epic a, a cut for the kind of money they bring in. Like, yeah, they're definitely right. going to have proprietary. I mean, that's why so many companies have proprietary tech, so they can keep more of their revenue. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, also companies tend to generally want to make their own tech, right? Uh, at least that that's yeah. been my experience over my career. And, I mean, if if resources are you know, dare I say, infinite then yeah, everyone would do that because you want to build a tech that is that caters exactly to the design. Yeah. To the companies that can certainly do. That makes sense. All right, man, we have like 15 minutes left in today's episode. I think sure. what I think what I would like to do is maybe poll the audience about topics they would like for us to cover in future episodes together. Because the general idea for us doing this regularly is that we can pick a design topic and dig into it further, right? So, so far, you know, we start with mobile games because that's, you know, your expertise and the thing you've been working on recently. And then we've, you know, now spent uh, two separate episodes doing, uh, talking about the games from last year. But I want to make sure that we start to break down more specific topics, right? Yeah, yeah. I would love to get more granular. And, and I don't know if, I don't know what makes sense for that. If it's, and, and obviously we want to do something that the people want to hear. Um, so always feel free to reach out to us with your, you know, comments, tweets, suggestions. Um, but may, uh, so what's this, uh, game genres by the month, pick a game and do a game club, like a book club. Ooh, that's interesting. We have everybody play a game and then, then we talk about that specific game. That could be interesting. Yeah, so actually on that point, I'm probably going to respond to each of the things that come up here. Um, a, a dear friend of mine from, gosh, I think literally uh, 12-ish years ago now, um, worked with me at a land center uh, when I lived in the Charlotte area, and he did too. And anyway, fast forward to maybe three or four years ago, he was one of the main guys on Reddit that started something called the MMO Book Club. And every three months, they would play an MMO together and the boat on the next one. And then just there was this massive community, therefore this massive guild that just moved from MMO to MMO and really enjoyed it. So um, it seemed to go really well for them for a while. I, I tried to be a part of it. I just couldn't keep up. I didn't have the time to, to stick with an MMO anymore. But uh, yeah, no. So I, I give all that context to say I love the concept. And yeah, it'd be pretty easy. Even with single player games, like yeah, you could totally simulate book club. Just yeah. take like 12 to 20 hour games say cleared in a single month. That seems reasonable. I mean, we could even, we could even do something that's a, a little more focused. Like we could pick, you know, indie games that are, are much smaller and more, you know, artistic and things like that. And, you know, talk about, cause I think the indie space has a lot of like they, people take more risks there right now. And, you know, we could maybe pick some things that are doing, you know, something that's very interesting and kind of break it down and talk about what's good about it, you know, why they made those decisions, things like that could be interesting. Yep. So there, here's another question or another uh, potential topic is franchises that are better or worse now in their design, perhaps due to their team size, reuse of design and tech, etc. That's a interesting kind of thought process. Like basically the road of a franchise based on the choices they've made over the years. Hmm. Like the, like, the Zelda franchise comes to mind for me, right? Like just how it's evolved over time. And there's expectations for each game that you try. And there's a little bit of, here's what they did before. Here's what they're doing. Now they're handholding a little bit more now than they used to, you know, things like that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
one thing probably some solid gdc talks to leverage there oh that's true too one thing i definitely want to make sure we start to do in some form is 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 uh maybe a bit more of like 101 type conversations where we're like you know what makes a good level design you know what how do you balance a system you know like like just basically like super like real down deep where do you start in in one of these things you know what i mean and like just kind of break it down and talk about the process uh from idea to conception i think that could be interesting yeah no i like that a lot and got it, that's so scalable man we could apply that you'd be like well how does level design in this genre work versus that genre or yeah. uh pro progression systems design like yeah we could yes we will not run out of content on that subject. And talk about the YouTube videos I can make out of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, surprise hits. That's another good one. Uh, and talk about why, like surprise hits are yeah, always yeah, very yeah. interesting to me. Like, cause like fall guys is one among us is one like, like games that like just really took off out of nowhere. And now everybody's talking about Valheim, which is even in the chat right now, which I'm going to, that's a game I'm actually going to pick up this week and, and start to tinker with. Uh, we may start a server for the for the dev team uh, as well. Have you played that yet? That, that's right I up your it alley, the day man. It came out. Yeah, that is so, right up your alley. <laughs> that is what I thought, and then I was wrong. Oh, really? I don't no. Uh, yeah, clarify right. Valheim, fantastic set of features. Um, I'm sure I'll come back to it. I I kind of told myself after I played it the first evening, I will return to it when there are Steam achievements because that's I don't know an interest of mine. And I have a ton of other games I can play. Uh, but yeah, Valheim. Breaking one million sales in the first week is uh so damn cool for them. Wow, yeah. Um I I can't explain it objectively as a designer at the moment, but again, I haven't played it enough. Right? I only played the first couple hours. Um half of I, our chat is playing it right now. So Yeah, so and that's interesting, right? Because so many people get caught up on like bad tutorials and bad UX and like that game does it I clearly didn't prioritize teaching you how to play the game. Right. And and you could argue through the design, well, maybe they're teaching you passively and this and that. Okay, fine. But survival games have always had the issue, and it's my favorite genre of all genres, but survival games have always had the core issue of they are terrible at teaching you how to play the game. Mm -hmm. You wake up on a beach or whatever the ge geographic biome is, and you just fend for yourself. Collect right. rocks and sticks, start up, go, go. Eventually, you might build a rocket ship. Who knows? Great. Um, and that's cool. And the journey is what makes the game fun. But uh, that learning curve sucks. That learning curve is really yeah. steep. And I think Valheim's learning curve um, probably isn't an exception. But again, I can't speak to that too intelligently yet because I didn't overcome the learning curve. And frankly, if I'm... Because see, there's a big difference between selling a million copies and having, I don't know, a million concurrent users. Right. And people uh, like mix that stuff up in their head. So... I'd be more interested to track their concurrent users. But all that being said, on Steam charts the other day, I do recall they had like 350 or maybe more than that. There were over 300,000 concurrent users, I want to say. And that, that's incredible. That is, that's, wow. That is near record-breaking for a Steam game and a Steam game of that caliber in particular. In early is, access uh, too, right? Like, right. Like that's, right. So that's impressive. It's incredible. There's no criticism here on the game. It's just uh, I didn't it, didn't, it didn't hook me because I just kept getting destroyed by like, really simple stuff and i've got i don't know how many thousands of hours in the genre so it's not like i'm incompetent at the genre so um now yeah. the thing that uh, so uh, bear with me for a moment i'm the th i'm trying to understand a bit about the game one of the things that was said in the in the comments by by kiwi is that 
the game doesn't make you do chores. That's one of the things that I've heard about it that I think is fantastic, right? Like there's less of the, you know, just gathering random things to make sure you can eat and that you know, cool. like that kind of stuff. I like I like the sound of that. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, they again their their feature set is really well thought out and designed. For me, I, it's truly just getting over that learning curve. Um, like the the graphics are fine and certainly have their moments of of shining. The gameplay felt fine. Um, being a huge fan of like Dark Souls and stuff, I appreciate the simplicity of only having a couple. Like whatever I'm holding in my hand is what I can do. Mm-hmm. I don't have this array of 55 other buttons, World of Warcraft style, where I'm going to blast shit around. I whatever I have equipped, whatever I've swapped to, that is my current action set. Okay, and uh. With my limited experience of Alheim, that's something I really liked about the gameplay. Is I have this stick, I have this torch, and I, I bet this torch will catch things on fire. Ah, sure enough, it does. That's interesting. <laughs> now, I, now this emergent gameplay is immediately starting because now I immediately thought, what all can I burn in this game? Or if I chop that tree down and make it try to hit that other object over there, what's going to happen? And so it became a huge experiment for me in my early moments when I wasn't running for my life. Because enemies seem to leash for miles. Yeah. <laughs> and that too. People don't expect the tree to fall on you. Um, that is not as common, but awesome. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I'll get back to it. Um, maybe I don't wait for the team achievements. If you start a server up, I might get involved. Um, Vikings yeah. are dope. Survival's dope. I, uh, it, it, like you said, it's a game that you'd expect me to be really into. Yeah, I just haven't I, I'm uh, really put the surprised. time to get in. Yeah. I mean, as much as you liked Black Desert and... you Did you play Last Oasis? Yeah. Lost yeah. last last oasis. Yeah. The last oasis. Yeah. That that stuff seems like you're all about it. But now, so the difference here though is this game is it's private server based, right? Like you there's not like a massively there's not like a massive server of people that you go play with, right? You have to Right. Start it's very Terraria kind of, yeah. like that. Okay. Or something like that. Like you have your character, you can take your character between servers, that's really cool. You have your home world, they have their home worlds, all your other and then you put dedicated servers up. And I think that's the perfect way to do it. I, I really, yeah, I, I really like how Terraria and Starbound and others of that, like, sub-genre of survival games did it. So Valheim being one of the first 3D to do it that well is um, a good step forward for the genre. You know, that's something that we as a community, dev team community, have not done yet. And I think Valheim needs to be where we start that because, like, I think there's a lot of opportunities for, you know, our server you know like us let's get together and play together that kind of thing or mm-hmm. when you're playing it this is where you play it i think we need to do more of that and i think this is a good place to start so i'm gonna make that happen i like that idea you, you know the the immediate concern i have from the game design side Vol, volheim works though is if, if if somebody in this chat has put 100 hours in that game mm-hmm. and comes in with like just sick weapons and armor and knowledge of the game and and you and me are, uh, you and I are very new on this new server. They can just come in and roll stuff and completely affect our experience mm-hmm. negatively. Like that, that is generally a negative for me. Like I remember the first time I tried to get into Borderlands, I had friends that just blasted me through the first like yep. couple hours and I had no idea what was going on. That is exactly and, and what that kind of soured yep. the franchise for me yep. for a while. And then, absolutely. And that's not Gearbox's fault at all. It was my fault, really. But I'm not, I mean, as a player, I'm not going to blame myself. I'm going to blame you. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> um, well, you didn't know, right? Like, like you, you don't know going into that experience what you're about to do to yourself in that scenario, right? And that's right. me and Irish. That's what happens. He goes way ahead of me in games, 
and then and Borderlands is is exactly what happened. He's like, all right, let's go through this together. So I start up my my character with him, and he just blasts me through the first two hours, and I'm like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what I should be picking up. I don't know what weapons are better than each other. Like I literally have, I didn't gain anything from this last two hours. Yeah, no, exactly. <clears throat> and like smart girl, like just elegantly put it, you know, the user experience matters most. And it's true. I can't stress that enough to every discipline. Yep. Like, gosh, UX is not UI, by the way. Um, <laughs> it is. And not. <laughs> uh, that's a running joke. We always have on my team. We're like, well, UX, UI, basically the same thing especially as a mobile title, but no, not true at all. Right. So um, there's a ton of different user experience elements that designers have to be aware of, which I noticed junior designers have never even thought of in their lives usually. So um, man, huge opportunity. If you're trying to get in the industry to go understand all the various ways you can convey information to the user and leverage that for whatever design experiences you're trying to sell. <laughs> So, oh, one thing uh, Clover just said in the chat, you all have to do level one characters. So apparently we at least have to start over on a new server. So that's good. I thought you could move characters. Okay, I could be wrong. I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. I'm going to get it going. Apparently it's 12 bucks a month to host the server. I'm going to set that up though. That's and, pretty uh, standard. I wonder how many slots that is. That may, may only be 10 slots. Though. Oh, you can move characters. Okay. But I, it may be a server setting too. Some survival games do have that. Like uh, Ark in particular, I can control what you can and cannot download to my server. So if I don't want you to bring anyone over, I can prevent that. Wait, are you saying 10 character slots, Camaro? Like you have 10 on a server? No, there'll be 10 total players that can be concurrently logged into the server. That's generally okay. what happens. So that's a good question. Uh, if we have 100 people that want to play on one server, does it just mean only 10 at a time? Or yes. like, okay. Yeah, 10 at a time. Which, you know, I mean, you just react. Like, when Atlas dropped a couple years ago, and mm -hmm. I was trying to run a server, I was spending like $90 a month on the server, because I had four servers stitched together, 40 slots each, and <laughs> I, had like not, I had like 100 people playing, and it blew up way more than I meant for it to. And uh, and then, you know, as, as the concurrent player base whittles down, you kind of start chopping slots away to save yourself some money, and okay. that's how it works. But these servers are generally pretty scalable like that, so you can go up and down as you need. Okay. Oh, apparently it's free with up to 10 people. Do they have larger sizes of servers? Like, like, can we pay to allow more than 10 players? And, and here's my other question. It sounds like the game is co-op. It's like 10 player co-op, right? It's not adversarial. There's optional PVP. So okay. there's a, there's a UI element you can click. I think to flag PVP on and off, which is wonderful. It should be that way. Another great thing Valheim's design has done. So yeah. Okay. You know, you talking shit, you better click that because, you know, I'll, I will fight you. But uh, Nice. Yeah. Well, also, the game is in early access, right? Like, they may up the size of people per server. They might, you know, who knows what their options are going to be as it kind of moves along. But yeah, right. yeah, no, totally. It's exciting. I, I really hope they, I, I don't see it happening with that game, but it would be really cool if they had a modding kit for it. Ooh, yeah. To just expand upon the content. Um, I don't know. It could be all like a markup language. Maybe they use XML or something to drive their data. I don't know. But whatever it is, I hope they expose it at some point. Do we know what engine it's built in? Did we say that yet? Uh, it's got to be proprietary. You think so? I, that, yeah. There's no way. Oh, it's in Unity? It, what? Really? 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 <laughs> that's, that's hard for me to believe. I mean, could be true though, right? I just, now I have to Google it. Wow. It looks like that's true. 
Wow. Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, well, I'm done here. <laughs> Actually, that's, cool. that's, that's really exciting for unity too. It sure is. That's a uh, man. That's interesting. All right. Well, you know what we've done? We've, uh, we've hit the end of our time together. So what I'm going to do, we're going to do a couple things coming out of this. I'm going to set up a Valheim server and we're going to get everybody in there that wants to play. Cool. And we're also yeah, going to take that. Yeah. Sweet. Good. And then we're also going to start polling everyone for ideas for our next game design deep dive. So I want to make sure people are thinking about topics you'd like for us to cover. There's been some good examples in here. Uh, I'll start a thread in the discord. If you are not in the discord yet, you should be. And there's your link. Uh, so do that. We'll talk about it in there. I'll set us up. We actually have a Valheim uh, chat already set up so we can talk about that game in there. I'll also set up a spot for us to talk about topics for the deep dive because I think we've got, we've got a lot of good options. I want to make sure we create some content that people are interested in hearing. Yeah. A lot of good suggestions in the chat earlier. Plenty yeah. to work with. Awesome. All right, man. I appreciate you joining me again. I always look forward to these. And yes, uh, we will, I think, uh, do we have our next one picked out yet? I think we do. We have a date. Yeah, we're right. We do have a date. It is, you're going to be back on. Uh, I think we said the 24th. 24th? Yep, yeah, 24th March of March. Okay, good. Yep. So that'll be when our next deep dive is. Gives us plenty of time to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about, which is good. Um, cool. All right, man. I'm going to jump off here and say my goodbyes. appreciate you joining me and I will talk to you soon. All right. I mean, take care. Later, buddy. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can join us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral. Every Tuesday, I'll have a new podcast episode ready for you. Be sure to follow me on all of my social media using the links in the show notes and join the Dev Team Discord to be a part of the conversation anytime. We'll see you soon. <laughs>